Hello and welcome to the Swift Coders Podcast, where each week we interview an amazing Swift developer about their experience with Apple's new open source programming language. We hear their stories, learn their tips and tricks, and try to leave you feeling inspired and empowered on your Swift Coder journey. I'm your host, Garrick, and today's guest is Patrick Bohr. Patrick is a technical lead for the Swift at IBM project. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Thanks, Garrick. It's a pleasure to be here. Right on. Yeah, it is. It's really nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited, actually, to, to hear about this. Swift at IBM, you know, I've heard about it. I've tried to play a little, uh, play a little bit with it. And uh, so I actually want to talk to you a little bit later, maybe, about like, you know, getting started with it and all that. But before we do, uh, how's it going? What are you up to? Oh, it's going pretty well. Got a beautiful day. Uh, just uh, sitting here in my home office and uh, sipping some coffee. Yeah, it is a beautiful day. Again, I haven't been outside. I feel like I say that a lot on this podcast. I haven't been outside yet, but it's uh, nice and sunny. I had a little squirrel like outside my window jumping around on the trees. I'm in uh, Southern California. Where are you? Uh, I'm in Austin, Texas, so it's uh, a little bit later here. Nice. Yeah, I've never been over there, but I heard it's uh, quite the scene. Is there is there a lot of like developers out there too? Yeah, there are. There, it's it's. Uh... It's like Silicon Prairie over there, or no? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think there, there's always some new names for it. But yeah, there, there's there's quite a bit going on here in Austin, which uh, makes it a lot of fun. Right on, right on. Okay, so a little bit about how Patrick and I met. Uh, someone that Patrick works with, I believe, Lloyd Rosdale. Mm-hmm. Uh, he contacted me on Twitter, I believe, and said, hey, I need to connect you with some of the people I work with over here at IBM. And uh, yeah, and so I got in touch with, with Patrick. And what, what exactly... You know, I mean, I usually interview Swift developers. A lot of the time, it's it's iOS developers. That's why I'm really excited to have um, more of, you know, I guess you know, because IBM is doing a lot of server side stuff, um, and then you're also you, you get doing some other projects, which we'll talk about. But like, what exactly were you guys wanting to kind of talk about? Um, you know, by coming on, like I was just wondering, like why Lloyd? I wonder, like wanted wanted to have you guys on. So uh, you know. Right. As a community here at IBM, um, we're doing quite a bit with Swift and all of us are you know, trying to stay current and stay in touch with the community. And, and honestly, it's a, it's a great community, the, the, the overall kind of global Swift community. Um, and Lloyd, you know, really wanted to, you know, part of just getting the word out about uh, what IBM is doing and making sure that it's relevant to the, the broader community. And so I think he just wanted to Kind of get get our voice out there a little bit and see if we can connect with uh, other parts of the community we may not already be connected with. All right, awesome. Yeah. So, what are you guys up to at IBM? So, I know there's um, IBM Kutura and like IBM Bluemix and there's the Swift Sandbox and um, and there's there's a couple things out there. What I want to do today is kind of talk about each one and kind of put them in focus. Like this is what it is, this is what it's for, and this is how they kind of relate. So like what are all the things that IBM is doing with Swift? Um, yeah, what are what are the projects? And like what's it like? You're, so you're the technical lead. So like, yeah, talk about like what are you working on and, and how are you involved? Okay, sure. Um, so when, you know, for, first off, IBM, you know, we, we announced this partnership with Apple uh, back in uh, like 2014. And around that same time as we announced the partnership, the Swift language came out. And so that, that clearly was the future, you know, we could tell from then. And so all of the, the company's work on iOS applications really focused quite a bit on Swift. And so you, you hear about hundreds of apps that we've built 
Um, those are that may be a surprise to some people, but but most of those are, are almost completely written in Swift. And so we got in very early. Um, and around the time that uh, Apple was open sourcing Swift, that's when I was leading uh, the mobile innovation lab here as the technical lead there. And we really saw this as a huge opportunity uh, to, to really take, you know, seeing them open source Swift and imagining where it could go from there. And so we were super excited, of course, to, to see it on Linux and see it running on the server. And so all these efforts you, you hear about were really just a part of this ongoing um, effort we started, you know, I guess like a little over nine months ago now. Wait, uh, so you were the technical lead on the client, client mobile application uh, work at IBM? Yeah, so there's quite a bit of work that, that's going on at IBM, right? So, so uh, you know, the partnership applications are done by uh, a, a separate group of ours that, that's called services, you know, global business services. Um, and they've uh, they're, they're, there's lots of you know uh, activity there across the country and the world in support of uh, those applications. For for me, there's also a group here in Austin called the Mobile Innovation Lab. Okay. And so that that's the that's the group that I was uh, um, working with before I, I spun out and with all the Swift and IBM work. So just to be clear, I remember the Swift and I'm sorry, the Apple IBM partnership was announced, as you said, 2014. And this was about uh, working together to build um, iOS applications for IBM's business clients. So like an example would be um, that um, aviation application, I think. Like so captains, uh, pilots um, would be would have like this iPad app um, and IBM would would be the one building that maybe in partnership with Apple and then, you know, be able to sell that to all their partners. Is that, that's what we're talking about, right? In terms of the services. Right. That's right. So, so there's a, there's a number of applications that companies need, right. To stand up that, that can also be employee facing. So like you said, for pilots, um, delivery people, uh, your, your global sales team, um, and many others. And so they build these, you know, we all kind of grow to expect these really rich, uh, vibrant application experiences. And so part of that par- partnership is really stepping up and, and creating those experiences uh, for, for the, these Apple devices. Okay, so but then you're, you are in Austin, Texas in the Mobile Innovations Lab. What were you guys doing similar work or were you sort of, what were you guys doing? How was that re- related or not related to the services um, work? Right, so, so, so this was looking, uh, looking ahead and also looking at our platform. And understanding what's needed by these these mobile applications, right? So, okay. um, and so we would we would get in do, do anything from building mobile applications uh, to getting involved with IoT to standing up some cloud services um, and, and doing proof of concepts and, right. and all sorts of fun stuff. So that was as you said, it's a mobile innovation. So that's more like research and development, like forward looking. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you're doing your thing in that lab, and Swift becomes open source, and you're seeing. Um, a Swift on these different platforms, and you're like, okay, we need to we need to get involved in this. And you guys come up with Katura, or you come up with 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 the sandbox, or is that is that what happened? Yeah. So so what happened is is part of the partnership. Um, our our uh, our VP, he's, he's also an IBM fellow, uh, John Ponzo, uh, through his meetings with Apple, uh, uh, you know, saw this opportunity with open source Swift to 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 be a a huge opportunity. And so, you know, he and I talked and we started thinking, you know, what could we do to, to, to really get involved and, and participate in this? And so this is this it, it sort of came out of there. Right. To, to see what we could build and, and, and just start getting involved. 
Awesome. Okay, so so then you build the Kitura framework, right? Um, so, yeah, yeah. The, the the first thing we actually did was the sandbox. Okay. So and what's that? So realizing that we were you know we had Swift available, um, and it ran on Linux was great, but there was all sorts of things that people would have to do to go try it out, right? So you'd have to maybe go get a Docker image, uh, make sure you install the right pieces, uh, dependencies, and then go grab the latest Swift binaries and stick that on there. And then you could finally be able to run some Swift code um, on a Linux system, right? And we thought, well, that's a lot of work. So what if we actually built a web application that did all that for you, right? Did all the heavy lifting for you. And so we, we built the IBM Swift sandbox as a, as a way to, that you can just kind of bring up a web page, you know, type in uh, some, some code, and you can even like pick the version of Swift you want to run. And so every time you save that file or click run, it actually deploys that code into the back end into a server in, you know, IBM's cloud, uh, compiles it and brings back any compile errors. And if it, if it compiles fine, then it actually runs it. And so it actually runs two different Docker instances on your behalf every time you click save. So it's really kind of a, a, a cool way to, to let people try out Swift on Linux without too much uh, you know, sort of investment up front. Okay, so that was one thing I didn't really understand at all. I didn't know that that's what the Swift sandbox was. I knew that it was a, a website where I could write Swift code, but I didn't know that you were basically making it easier. You were, you were shortcutting all these steps that you would need to do to be able to run Swift on a Linux environment. Because to me, it's like, wait, why do I want to do this when I can just open up Xcode and mm -hmm. just start writing Swift? But let's be, let's be clear, like not everybody has a Mac, so not everybody can download Xcode. So that's also like another thing that you're, you're basically doing is you're allowing people all around the world who might, who just have a website, a web browser, to be able to write Swift code. So that's yeah. awesome. So, so what are some other reasons that, that what I didn't understand is well, why do I want to do this? Why do I want to go to this website and write Swift code? Um, what would be that? That's what I didn't understand. Sure, sure, yeah. So, so the the first part is like you said, we we've actually seen a lot of people who don't have a Mac, right, and can't start up playgrounds, um, coming to the sandbox and being able to say, hey, I, I want to check out Swift. I want to be able to write Swift. And so we see, you know, of course, looking at it, there's a lot of people with Windows machines and and other things. But but even if you have a Mac. Being able to test out code, right? Because the the support for Linux uh, it continues to uh, uh, mature, and so you might want to test out some code uh, really quickly and try it with a new, you know, maybe even a, a pre-release version or a specific version of the Swift uh, runtime that that's you know was changing quite a bit through 3.0 and you know pick up again as we go to 4.0. Uh, but what you can do there is write a bit of code. And even if you want to share it with somebody, you can bookmark it and you can then send that bookmark to somebody else. And if they follow that link, it'll bring up that same code that you were looking at. So we see people using this also to ask and answer questions on Stack Overflow, for instance, right? Or in the mailing list. That's so really you, you cool. You can actually send a link of this running code and then you, that other person can click run and it runs for them as well, right? That's really cool. So I think it, one thing it sounds like you kind of pointed out, which is there are actually two different environments. Uh, Swift, let's say on uh, Playgrounds or Xcode, is a different environment than Swift on the Sandbox in the sense that what you have access to on Swift in a Playground and Swift uh, uh, in Xcode uh, in terms of like libraries and frameworks is different than what you have on Linux, right? Linux doesn't have everything 
yet um, that that Swift on 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 an Apple device or you know has mm-hmm. right. So you don't have access to all these different libraries and frameworks, um, and so that's so it's actually kind of misleading to think like oh I'm going to write my server side stuff in a in a playground and then all of a sudden you're kind of like importing a library but wait I don't actually have that library on Linux it, does that make sense is that Yeah kind of no also- exactly so you you might be accidentally including like UI kit right and you're not going to have that on a Linux machine right right um, so yeah it, it's uh, there 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 are some differences and you you know it really comes down to you know, we always say this, but it's deploying the right code to the right place, right? And so you, you, the code that runs on your phone is going to be doing different things, perhaps, than, than the code that you're going to have running back on a server. Okay, so Swift Sandbox, and, and I want to probably get into some more of that. So you have Swift Sandbox. That's mm-hmm. actually the first project you guys uh, created from the Mobile Innovations Lab that's related to Swift. Um, that was a, is, that, is that correct? That's right, right. And, 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 right. and then what comes next? What comes after that? How does that lead to Kitura? So, so two other pieces that started. Um, one of them actually started out of uh, IBM Research uh, in Haifa, uh, Haifa, Israel, and it was uh, Kitura started there. And another one that started around the same time was uh, the IBM Swift package catalog. And so, in February of this past year, we we announced both of those. Um, so we also made Kitura open source uh, as soon as we could there to get the community involved and and. Uh, kind of have an opinion there. Okay, so... They're, so they're, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so so that was, you know, the, the Keturah and, and, you know, why we can, why, why we did Keturah and, and sort of an opinion that we have there, uh, I can certainly get into as well. Yeah, okay. So to be clear, Keturah is a web framework, a server framework uh, written in Swift? That's right. That's right. So so in different languages, when the, when you see them on the server... You have uh, typically what's called a web framework, um, and you might actually have something that's more kind of foundational support, like web foundation. So Kitura has a, a, a bit of both. Um, and so we have some pieces, and what I mean by that is to be able to write code that runs on the server, you need to typically be sitting there, you know, if, if you want to write a web service, it needs to sit there and listen on a network port for incoming requests, and it's probably going to be some HTTP request that's doing a GET or a put or a post um, to, to get some information, right? So that's the way we keep talking, you know, across the web. And so we built out everything around the Swift language to allow you to do that. And that's what we put into Couture. Okay. And so just to be kind of very clear and basic, like, so, because these days we have things that we can use where we don't need to create our own web service, right? Like even something as simple as like CloudKit, or you know, you used to have Parse, or I'm sure there's things you can do with like AWS and Azure and all these different things. Like, uh, w- like what is it that? At what point would you be like, oh, actually, I need to create my own web service? Like, what are? Why would we want to use something like Kitura? Like, what's a very simple example of like where I couldn't really do what I want to do with with these other? I think they're generally called like mobile backends as a service. Like, why would you want to, besides the fact that you'd just be interesting to learn, it's, it's a good skill to have, which we should get into later. Like, what's a simple thing that you would want to do or could do with um, something like Kitura? So, so there's the, being able to deploy code on the back end. So, so most of these kind of mobile applications, like you mentioned, uh, require some back end cloud to either help them persist data, kind of share state. 
Um, and there, there has been some uh, software as a service offerings uh, that, that have been out there that people could use, like CloudKit, Parse, and others. Um, and so oftentimes you want to also be able to put some logic in the cloud uh, to do things like, let me reform this data into the payload that I need on the client side, right? Or let me do some background monitoring back on the server and send push notifications. Or let me put some logic on the back end that if I take a picture, maybe it goes off and calls you know, image recognition services uh, from Watson or, or calls something else and then notifies somebody, you know, my, my friend group. So there's all sorts of different logic that you might want to put back in the server to support your mobile application. And so we thought this would be great to make it easy for Swift developers who are already working on these you know, rich client-side applications to be able to put the, likewise, put, put the same kind of logic on the back end uh, and not have to sort of switch gears and switch languages. Okay. Okay, cool. So you have the Swift Sandbox, you have Kitura, and then the Swift Package Catalog. So what exactly is that? So with the, uh, with, with the open source of uh, Swift.org, um, the, the other piece that was uh, open sourced and the Apple and the community is still working on is the Swift Package Manager. And so the package manager is sort of the, uh, the um, kind of the future version of CocoaPods and, and uh, everything else that, that you're used to. And so we realized that the people were already, you know, from day one creating Swift packages. And the design of the Swift package manager is very um, decentralized. And so you basically put in a, a link to a GitHub repository. Um, and then the Swift package manager will pull down those dependencies for you which is cool. It's, it's super cool, right? We've kind of grown yeah. accustomed to that with uh, CocoaPods and other things. Right. But now this is going to be supported in the base part of the Apple uh, uh, build system. And so the, it was the, the part that we realized, again, we thought we could kind of help out the community is it's hard to find those things. It's find, hard to find the different packages. And if you find a package, like who's working on it, what does it depend on, what are the most popular packages, things like that. And so we built the package catalog to, to kind of help ourselves as much as the rest of the community to help with discovery, uh, finding packages and being able to pull those down and pull them into your applications. So is there, okay, so to be clear, Swift package catalog, it is uh, a catalog of all the Swift packages that are out there and hopefully the, uh, all the new ones, kind of like a CocoaPods.org where you can like search for all the different CocoaPods. And mm -hmm. a Swift, Swift package is like a CocoaPod or like a pod, or like just it's a third-party library. It's a package of code uh, uh, that you can uh, use as a dependency, just like you would um, a static library or a CocoaPod or, or something that you import with Carthage or something like that. Okay, so, and you can do that now. Um, it has like this, I guess this dependency manager, the Swift package manager, it's a dependency manager, right? Like a CocoaPods um, that's supported first-party. Okay, now, is there anything else like the Swift package catalog, or are you guys the only ones doing that right now? So I, I have seen some other examples where people have, have uh, put up some different properties to, to try to index it, but this is something that we, you know, as, as IBM plan to continue to invest in, and uh, support going forward to be able to allow people to kind of find and, and discover packages out in the system. Um, and then, you know, certainly for, for IBM, there's a plan to kind of help with uh, enterprises keeping track of maybe their, their private packages as well and things like that. But at this point, it's, it's just something we've put together to really just help the community. So it's, it's it, you know, anything, you know, if somebody wants to list a new package, they can put it in there. 
others can find it. Um, and then we can also see, you know, what are the most packet popular packages and who's using which package and, and things like that. And so we'll, we'll continue to put more of those things out there. Okay. And so is that how a package gets added? The, the, the creator of the package adds it to the catalog? Yeah. So, so the, uh, well, anyone can add it. Um, so if you, if you see some package you like out in GitHub, you can just go ahead and add it to the package catalog. Okay. Uh, we'll go crawl it and index it and see what it depends on and, and add it into the system. Um, we're, we've also just recently added some, some support that uh, a package uh, developer can also um, write a, uh, a sample that uses his package and we'll put in the package catalog is a ability to launch to the sandbox. Oh, so wow. say, you're, say you're looking at a package, you're like, well, this is kind of cool. You know, let's say Swifty JSON or something, right? And you're like, how do I use this? Well, there's now like a, a little button pops up and says, try in the sandbox. And so if you click on it, uh, you jump into the sandbox and it's, it's pulled in the dependency of Swifty JSON or, you know, maybe some encryption library or, or whatever you want to do. And then you can just play with it there again with very little investment, decide if you like it or not before you decide to go pull it into your, you know, your project or whatever. That's really cool. And then these packages, they can be anything from a, a package that would run on a client to a package that would run on the server, right? They're not necessarily just web application packages. They're, they're not necessarily just web applications. Um, so, so one thing I think, you know, over time, Apple will continue to uh, integrate this into their products as well, like uh, Xcode and, and what have you, I would imagine. Right. Um, with what's in there for 3.0 right now, there, there's certainly still, uh, you know, quite a bit of usage, of course, that uh, with CocoaPods and, and Carthage and things like that. Right. Uh, so it's not completely, you know, uh, re replacing those. So I think you'll end up seeing a lot more. It's the only, you know... As far as server side, it's it's the only uh, game in town, right? So all of the server side packages are, are really using the the package manager. So you'll certainly see a lot more um, uh, server side packages probably in there. Okay. Do you have any sort of that you can think of that are pretty cool? Like, cause I'm it's for me, it's more about understanding like what are the things that people are doing to, so that I could actually start to understand like the utility of this. So. Um, so, I mean, you said Swifty JSON. I've heard of that as like something that would I would have on the client side. Um, are there any packages that you can recall that? I mean, I, I know you're probably not just scouring the package catalog every day, but like, um, is there any packages that you can kind of give an example of? Um, sure. Uh, so, that so, would run on the the web. Yeah. So, so there's a number of different packages, and again, some of these are you know completely written in Swift, or they might be uh, wrappers on top of C that that give you a a Swift interface. Cool. Um, some examples of that um, are things like Blue Cryptor. So Blue Cryptor is a uh, basically uh, something we built to provide security um, services to uh, for server side, but also let it work on uh, um, both Mac and and Linux. And so, you know, under the covers on Linux, it happens to use OpenSSL, and on a Mac, it it, it uses um, uh, the the uh, crypto library, which is escaping my brain right now, uh, on the Mac, but you get the same uh, library API interface, right, to, to encrypt payloads and decrypt payloads and things like that. And so, again, it's just a, it's another library. The, the one other interesting thing about Swift packages, and so I think I'm pretty excited about, is that a package is not just a library, right? It's not just a framework. It's, it's also can be a, a, an executable itself. Um, so that, that's, that's another 
Yeah, I think I think is really how how would we use that? How how could that be uh, useful exactly? Yeah. So, for instance, in um, the the package catalog, you, if you go look at Ketura, you can also go see who's dependent on Ketura, and you can then find actual uh, applications uh, that that have been written that that use Ketura. Um, and so, if if I if you download that um, and say you you clone that locally onto your system, you can say Swift build and then run the executable, and it's actually a a, a running program, right? Wow. Okay. And it could be anything, obviously, because it's, yeah. it's a program, so it could be anything. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So we have the Swift sandbox. We have Kitura, the Swift package catalog. And is there anything else that you guys are, you know, at least that you've announced that are these kind of big core projects that you're doing um, at IBM, Swift at IBM, at least for your for your team? Right. So so the, um, the, the, the core purpose for all of this is we wanted to really empower Swift developers, right, to, to be able to deploy code on, on the server. And so we took an opinion with Ketura where we said, you know, we want this to feel as natural as possible, right, for a Swift developer to come over. And so with Ketura, we, we sort of had an opinion. We said we want to make this, you know, we don't want to disrupt the Swift developers, uh, developer experience. And Swift developers are used to foundation and libdispatch. Right, so libdispatch for concurrency and foundation for a lot of the core capabilities we're used to, like URL session and things like that. Um, and so towards that end, we we you know planned up front, and we had Katura depend on those libraries, even those those libraries were not ready for Linux yet. Uh, you know, back in December, uh, there was initial versions of them out there. Libdispatch didn't work at all. You know, it was the it was the latest version from El Capitan, um, and so IBM invested quite a bit to port those libraries, uh, well, certainly to, to help port libdispatch over. Um, and the community, of course, you know, along with the rest of the community, but, but we were super anxious to get libdispatch ported over. And so we invest a lot of resources there. And then, you know, once, you know, a lot of those capabilities landed and we had a, a working version of libdispatch now in the 3.0 release for Linux, uh, some, some of the other libraries and foundation are now possible. Things like URL session, which is dependent on, on libdispatch and, you know, operation queues and all that good stuff. And so, again, we're trying to lay as much of a found work. So there's a lot of investment from IBM, from our IBM team to, to help with the porting. So this is, you know, certainly not saying IBM's doing uh, all the work. It's, it's a huge community, as we all know. Uh, but, but we certainly have an opinion that we want to make sure that libdispatch uh, got ported in a first-class way and that we had uh, a good foundation support. Um, and again, all of this such that if I'm a Swift developer coming from the client side and I go to server side, a lot of the APIs that I'm accustomed to will be available to you. What does that mean exactly? Like porting, You're, you, what, what does that mean? What are you, what are you doing? How are you doing it? And what's the result? Sure. So, so for libdispatch, there's a lot of you know the the operating system on on, on a Mac or iOS has um, basic kind of underlying support. Uh, for things uh, like concurrency. And so since uh, libdispatch has always been a first-class library supported on those platforms um, and not Linux. So Linux has different core capabilities than, say, mock, uh, a mock kernel or something like that. And so the, the IBM research team and, and the runtimes team had to go back and they, they have a lot of experience with Linux and the Linux kernel. And they had to go work and you know find out how can we bring some of those uh, core Linux capabilities to provide the same functionality that you get from libdispatch on say macOS 
or iOS. Okay, so what what let's talk a little bit more about Lib Dispatch. Is that like is that like Grand Central Dispatch? That's right. That's right. That's Grand Central Dispatch. So all all of the concurrency you do, you know, if like you you want to dispatch do, async get main queue get whatever and yeah, so like to bring something back to the main thread or dispatch it to a background thread. So exactly, I always called that Grand Central Dispatch or GCD. Is it also called Lib Dispatch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, I think uh, G, the, it's, it sort of has two names there. But yes, it, Grand Central Dispatch is exactly it. Um, so the, the, the library itself is Lib Dispatch, right? So that, that's just the, the name of it under there. But yes, it's the same thing. But the product or the sort of feature or the product is called GCD because it's kind of cooler, mm-hmm. cuter sounding or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's okay, right. is there, so, and then in Foundation, you mentioned uh, URL or NSURL session or URL session. Is mm-hmm. that what you said? Okay. Yes, that's right. So can you give another example of something that is in foundation that you guys are porting or that that the that the whole project is trying to port? Because as you said, IBM is uh, giving resources or, you know, having resources put into this, but uh, like human power. But there's other people around the world that have nothing to do with IBM that are also participating. So in any case, like what are some things in foundation that are also being ported? So, so there's there, there's a lot of different uh, uh, features in Foundation that we've all kind of grown accustomed to, but but we're letting the applications we try to port or the libraries we try to port sort of do our prioritization for us. Okay. And so, um, because there's this kind of dependency on you know we needed Lib Dispatch before we could do some of these other uh, pieces, we all knew that URL session, right? I mean, what would we do without it as far as right. talking on the web? And so we, we knew that was super important, but uh, as far as getting ready and re- you know for, for the 3.0, uh, we had to have the Lib Dispatch land as a supported, you know, we had a lot of changes and we maintained a separate branch. Some of the IBM committers maintained a separate branch, but it really wasn't, you know, supported where we could depend on it in foundation yet. And so those changes landed uh, and, and uh, you know, at the, the guys at Apple were, were, were great as far as pulling some of those different changes in and merging them with, with the, the core lib dispatch. And so that stuff landed relatively late towards 3.0 launch. And so there's some features in foundation that we really wanted to, to get more done in. And URL session, of course, was one of them. And so we, we, we I, you know, again, us and, and the community, I'm, I'm certainly not trying to overclaim, but we did get some changes landed there. And I think there's a, there's a few more uh, API, you know, the surface area of URL session that we want to land even more changes. And you'll see that maybe in, in upcoming 301 releases and things like that. So in the, uh, there, there, there's that one, you know, certainly a big one, Operation Queue and a number of others. So what are we actually doing? Like what's the work that's actually being done when we say we're porting something? So it, a port, like you're taking it from one place and sort of putting it into another port portal kind of like where where is it and where are you putting it and like what does that even mean like you're you're translating it into a different you know or yeah what's actually happening sure sure so so like on a on a mac os system there there may be you know it, it may be linking with some libraries that uh, you have access to on mac right like like say uh, being able to say import darwin for instance right Okay. Um, and so then you have a bunch of calls because you said import Darwin. I can now go make some a bunch of calls into different libraries. And um, but Darwin is like living on that Mac, like that's its kernel, yeah, right, exactly. or whatever, right? Right, right, right. Um, and 
so you know if, if you're on an iOS system you can import Darwin and call these things and, and it's great and so there's going to be different parts of it though that if on a Linux system where I would say import glibc um, and so if if I uh, if you say that then there's other library calls that you can make right and so in, in different parts of the, the library, you're going to want to be able to say, oh, okay, here, if I'm on a Darwin system, I can make these calls to provide this functionality of libdispatch, like if you do a dispatch async, right? Um, so in, in the, the library for dispatch async, let's just say, um, I can call some Darwin calls, right, and say, oh, okay, here, the, the work is done. But if I'm on a Linux system, so I'm going to have to say pound if, right, if OS is Linux, I'm going to do something different versus else if I'm on a Mac, I'm going to do these things. And so that the, a lot of the porting is, is that kind of work. Doing the equivalent on a Linux system that, that you couldn't do, right? So you're saying a lot of the porting is, it's called, is that called like a macro, the pound thing? Is that called macro? Yes, that's right. right. Okay, so, you're, so where are you writing that? Are you writing that on, a, on Linux, like on the Linux sort of, like where are so, you writing that? So it's all in the same code base. And so the same code base that you would compile on a Linux system is the uh, same code base that you compile on a Mac. And so there's just conditional uh, code in there uh, that, that's aware of which system you're on. And so that, that's what we meant by kind of merging and landing a lot of these changes that we had for the Linux version of LibDispatch. It all okay. goes into Swift.org's version of their source. Okay, so you're adding these macros to am I saying that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, or, to, yeah, to, just in additional code changes, right? Okay, to the Swift code, like source code, which lives on you know Swift.org, let's say, and then that way when you build Swift on on Linux, it will say, oh, I'm on a Linux environment, so let's use this this uh, library instead of this other library. Mm-hmm. Is that That's sort right. of what you're saying? Exactly. Right. Okay. Now, is there what is the other library if we're on Linux? You said it's uh, libdispatch, is that what you said? Instead uh, of Darwin? Yeah, the, I mean, the, the, there, there's uh, like glibc okay. is the, like, and there, there's like standard libraries. There, there's all sorts of stuff that uh, you, you would end up calling on, on a Linux And is system. someone writing, is that already written? Is someone writing that right now? Like, did, 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 like yeah, where mo- did that? Mo- most of them we, we, we want to bring over just as they are, right? Like, so certainly glibc is the same. Um, for instance, things like you know, uh, OpenSSL, right? Like, I and that's before. written in C or something like Th- that. Those are those are written in C. They're they're running on the system already, right? Okay, so we, can, we can leverage those. And because Linux understands C, so it's already written in C. So you're just sort of just bringing it over, okay? And then is it there's already like a Swift API that you can access on on Linux, or are you also sort of creating that too, or yeah, does that so- also work? So, so if it's if it's an existing library like libdispatch was right, we're trying to honor the higher level uh, APIs that everyone's used to, right? Okay. With dispatch and what have you, and then and just under the covers, mapping that to whatever the the underlying system capabilities are there. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. So Swift Sandbox, Kitura, Swift Package Manager, porting, you know, helping, being a part of that effort, support foundation and libdispatch, and eventually maybe others to Linux. What else are you guys working on? Um, so, so a a lot of a lot more libraries and samples, and so there's there's a lot of libraries that you uh, find that you need uh, running on a on a server, 
And so we're trying to help, you know, complete that. So the, 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 the community at large is also writing quite a few uh, things there. So just like, you know, say a library to talk to a different database, right? Or uh, if you're going to serve up a web page, you might have to have some pieces in there to, to deal with uh, um, some security aspects. Okay, and these would page. be written in Swift, and you'd be able to access them. Yep. Um, okay. Yep. And when you say library, it's you, is it actually like a, a package, a Swift package? Yes, it is. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so for instance, it could be like a Swift package that allows your web application to talk to, I don't know, some other, like some Facebook. other. Okay. Okay. And, and it'd be like almost like a convenience API or something. That's right. That's right. So, so just like if you stood up a website, and you wanted to deal with uh, keeping track of a session of somebody logged in, right, or, or allowing them to log in. We have things like Katura credentials uh, to keep track of some things, and you know, Katura session, and we have Katura credentials Facebook or you know, I mean, so yeah, that's so all really these cool. different pieces, right? So it sounds like you're doing a lot of work. Um, that eventually other people are going to really want and they might have to do it themselves, but instead you're sort of doing it ahead of time. Kind of like the Swift Sandbox to begin with, right? Like you're sort of taking that work and doing it before other people really needed to do it. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so that's a lot of stuff you guys are working on. Is that is that is there anything else? I kind of want to get everything on the board because for me, it's like there's so many different things, especially when I was first starting out as an iOS developer. It seemed like there was so many things and it was so overwhelming because I didn't know what was important, what wasn't that important, and like what were each piece, how did they relate to each other, how didn't they, like kind of a context of everything. Mm -hmm. And so um, I tried to work with Swift on the server a couple weekends ago um, and the Swift package manager and um, I was, you know, and it's just like I wasn't sure if I was doing it in the right order or doing it right. And so, <laughs> anyways, is there anything before we kind of talk about how it all fits together? Like, is there anything else? So, so you 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 touched on it perfectly. So the the other part that you know, trying to understand people coming at this and and making it easier, right? What is the developer experience uh, that that people like? Say you're in Xcode and you're working on Swift. And now suddenly you're going to be deploying some code on the back end, right? How do you get started? Um, so one thing that we also built is something called the IBM Cloud Tools for Swift. Um, this is actually a Mac application that you can uh, install and run locally, and it runs besides Xcode on your Mac. And with this, you can uh, auto-create you know, simple uh, samples of a brand new Katura-based application, for instance. Or maybe you want to create an application that goes from you know, client side and your iOS project to your server side and be able to, in one click, be able to launch either the mobile application or the server application. And so we built this IBM Cloud Tools for Swift for exactly that purpose. Um, this is very similar to what I uh, demoed at WWDC this past year of being able to work on a project that is both mobile side as well as uh, server side. Wait, was that you on stage at uh, DubDub? Yes, it was. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I watched that. I need to go watch that again. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, I was really excited for, for that. Like, I thought that was very um, interesting. You don't often see you know, third parties coming and talking on the stage at a, at a developer session. Uh, maybe the keynote, but a developer session. I thought that was really interesting. Okay. So IBM Cloud Tools for Swift, is that just one of the tools or 
is that the tool or 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 because it's tools plural what what are there more tools or right I, you know i think you know for for us now that we have a number of these different pieces out here um so we we have the ibm cloud tools for swift we have the sandbox we have the catalog okay um and of course we have what we just announced which is the uh, ibm bluemix uh, runtime that we just uh, made generally available which means that you can uh, you know that ibm will stand behind it and support it as a runtime in our cloud. Um, and so all of these pieces coming together is what we're really excited about. You know, this last month with the uh, with uh, Swift 3.0 uh, coming out, uh, Katura 1.0, our G8 runtime, and all the different tools, we're now open for business, right? So we can say, oh, okay, if you wanna actually write some server-side code, uh, we're ready for you, right? We have the tools in place, we'll continue to work on them, uh, we'll stand behind the runtime in our cloud, um, so we're the, actually the first cloud to uh, support Swift in a first-class way. Uh, right, right. Okay, I was I was aware of this um, announcement. It was pretty recently, right? Just in the last month, maybe mm-hmm. two weeks or something. Um, what exactly does that mean, Bluemix runtime? Because I'm aware of Bluemix, right? There's IBM Bluemix, which is like all these different... Uh, well, you can talk... I would love for you to talk about it, but it's like all these different sort of product offerings... That is this mix of IBM Blue, right? Which is all this cloud stuff. You have Watson and who knows all these other things, right? You have Blue Mix, mm-hmm. and then somehow Swift is is uh, re- uh, has is sort of related to that, or at least like yeah. There's it's not Swift isn't central to that, right? It's just one of the sort of languages that are supported, right? So what? But then what is this uh, the bluemix runtime i don't understand like it was sure. a, it seemed like a big deal people were excited about it. i think i even read some of the blog posts on on ibm's website but what does that even mean i don't understand sure yeah so i mean now if you create an application right some, some uh, you know a bit of code written in swift uh, that that say you know stands up some web service and will sit there and listen for incoming requests and respond and all that good stuff so you have this code and you're like okay great Right. I, I want some I want to be able to host this in the cloud, give it a URL that it will listen to that I can go kind of hit from my mobile device. Right. Um, just like you would call any kind of REST API. And so if you write this code, that's great. Right. You can run it locally and test it and all that good stuff. But now when you're ready to deploy it to the cloud, the cloud needs to be able to accept that runtime, you know, accept that that code and uh provide a system that is ready to run that code, right? So that's what the runtime does. Okay, and so what was what was the status before the Bluemix runtime? Like, I, for some reason, I just assumed, okay, well, yeah, IBM is supporting Swift on the server. Like, isn't mm-hmm. that what they were, you guys were already doing or no? That, that's right. So we had beta support for this before. Oh. And so it was because, you know, 3.0 kept changing. Right, um, right. You know, towards the end there daily, right? Um, and so we, <laughs> we, we really couldn't tell people to say, hey, go stand up your, uh, you know, uh, crucial services here because, you know, we, we couldn't really stand behind a given version of, of Swift um, at that point. And so the, the first version of Swift that really runs on Linux in a supported way is 3.0. And so that's why we were super anxious to get to 3.0, because once we got to 3.0, now we can say, ah, OK, great. Right. We're at 3.0. Um, we're officially supported. You know, we got the, the source and, and API stability. And now we can uh, make sure everything else is supported as far as the different libraries and the dependencies. And so basically what the runtime does is it installs all of your different dependencies, installs the latest version of Swift that you need for your application, and lets it run, right? 
And then, you know, of course, in our cloud, you know, we have Watson services, we have uh, uh, data services and different things like you mentioned. Um, and we also have Swift packages then that you can pull into your server-side code that talks to those services. And so that, that, that's what sort of it, it means by IBM really kind of supporting Swift in a first-class way. It's just not only the runtime, but the ability to talk to the other services in the cloud. Okay, so really the announcement of the Bluemix runtime, like Swift runtime or whatever, that was more of like an announcement that it was coming out of beta. That's right, that's right. Okay, okay, cool, awesome. And then it seems to me like there's one last piece, which is just Bluemix in general, right? We, we kind of talked about all these Swift pieces, yep. but then you have Bluemix as sort of something that um, it's not necessarily... Uh, required, but it's sort of an optional piece that you could use if you wanted. That's right. That's right. right. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to sort of, I want that to be on the, the, the board. Let's imagine we have a board of all these different little, you know, sort of pieces. I'm going to, I'm going to say that's on the board, right? As a, it's a, an option. And so what is Bluemix? Uh, I've taken a look at it. It seems to me like it's similar to a Google cloud platform or an AWS or an Azure or, um, I don't know. Maybe there's some other some other ones out there. It's some. It's it's like a it's a cloud platform, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what are what are all the different pieces? I mean, look, it doesn't. We can go to the website and learn about it, but just you know, just tell us a little bit about it and like how does Swift fit into that? Sure. So so Bluebix is IBM's cloud, like you said, it, it is our cloud platform, right? So we have you know a lot of efforts in uh, across the company, like you said, you know our Watson team. Um, we have IoT. Um, we we have uh, the the data services. We have the the overall run, the core runtimes, um, and so we make all of that available in Bluemix. Um, so what it, you know, for for us, Bluemix is is IBM's cloud, right? So you can uh, and there's different abstractions that people are used to in a cloud. You know, do do I want to de- deploy a container? Do I want to, to store deploy, data, for instance? Right? Yeah, or or or, or like a, you know, like a Docker container. Right, I could I could deploy that, or I can deploy an app as a platform as a service. Uh, it's okay. also a platform as a service, similar to say Heroku. Right. Okay. Um, and then you know I, IBM has a lot more uh, cloud capabilities, but we make them all available, and you'll see more and more of that coming in our Bluemix uh, property. Okay. And then it sounds like what you said was you there are Swift packages that make all of the suite of Bluemix available in Swift? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say all yet. Uh, we, or, or, we keep, yeah, we, we keep adding more of them as, uh, as we can. But yeah, the expectation is you don't want to just have to hit an API anymore, right? Or hit, hit some REST endpoint. Uh, you, you would prefer to have a library that, that makes it easy for you. Just like, like a Swift would, API. Yeah, just like you'd pull in like the Facebook API, right? Or something like that. Right, so rather than using NSURL session and hitting the RESTful endpoint, you would do something like, I don't know if you've worked with CloudKit, you'd just say, hey, fetch me the user's um, ID. Exactly. Right. And right. so it's just right. more of like a convenience type of API. Okay, yep. and so yep. that's what some of those Swift packages are doing uh, for IBM Bluemix, some of the IBM Bluemix tools. Yeah, that's right. So, okay. and, and, and that's what it really, you know, to, to have a language support on the server, you, you kind of get to a point where you see this explosion of packages, right? Just similar to what you saw happen with some of the other languages. And so Swift is just now ramping up as far as you'll see more and more packages from both from us and, and more importantly, from the overall community uh, to talk to some of these other services. 
All right, so I think you kind of already mentioned it, but it's like sort of a full circle of, of Swift support uh, for uh, sort of the cloud, like web applications and being able to, to, to build a web application that interacts with your mobile client, let's say, or any client. Mm-hmm. But it's like a full sort of loop of services. Um, is there any? Is there anything else that we've left out? Because I really do want to understand like the kind of how it all fits in together. But is there anything left out? Well, I'm going to kick myself if I forgot something, but I think that's everything. <laughs> okay, so now what I want to do is um, I want to do I want to do a couple things. So the first um, would be how does it all fit in together? So I'd like to go through like the day in the life of a, of a Swift developer that's using these tools to try to r- quickly like run through, like to really put it into to context. And then the second would be uh, like, when, when do you think someone, uh, you know, should, should start, you, you know, working with this stuff? And then the third is like, what stage is this really at? And is it sort of still kind of the beginning stages? When do you think this might really blow up? So the first, let's, let's talk about how it all sort of fits together. So let's say uh, you're, you're just starting out. Let's say you have a application. Let's use like Instagram like, uh, as an example, let's say. Mm-hmm. I want to build like the next Instagram. Um, I'm, you know, I'm doing my Swift code using Xcode. I'm building this really cool app. Um, and now I, I'm like, okay, now I need to use my, my I, um, you know, Swift on the server using Kitura and, and Bluemix. Like, what, what am I doing? Like, what would I use? Just give me a, a couple examples, like what we would use and like how we would go through that process. Um, sure. So, I mean, the, in, in fact, towards that end, one of our first uh, demo applications is something called Bluepick, which is, cool. a, uh, which is like an Instagram wannabe. Right. Oh, let's so let's just talk about that then. That's perfect. Sure, sure. So, so uh, the if you pull this project down, right, it, it has both a rich uh, wet, uh, mobile client um, that that uh, runs on iOS, um, and then it you know you go through and you have a feed of pictures that you can look at. Awesome. Um, and so you you also are able to log in, right? So you can uh, I think they put in support there to log in with Facebook, for instance, right? Cool. So now if I take pictures um, and I want to send them into the back, you know, into the server and go persist it, uh, there's there's some back end Swift code that will accept uh, an incoming picture. Right. So you can you can look at the code from both client side and then you switch over. You can look at it on server side and a picture comes in. Now, they did a few cool things in Bluepix, or it's, uh, again, this is the application I showed at WWDC. Okay, I'm remembering. Yeah, I remember this now. Yeah, so it, it sort of, you know, it saves the, the, the picture itself in object storage, which is a, a pretty standard practice. Um, and On then IB, it, IBM's offering. Yeah, it happens cool. to say, save it in IBM's offering, right? Cool. And then it saves some metadata about that picture, like, oh, hey, this is taken by Pat Bohr, right? Um, and here's the GPS coordinates of where the picture was taken. Uh, we happen to save that. And then just because we we're having fun with it, we said, you know what, we, you know, IBM also has things like the weather. You know, we bought the weather company's uh, digital services, and so we have weather APIs. Um, and so we thought, what if we, when you took a picture, we went and captured what the weather was at that location. At but that not time. from the client, but from the server side. But from the server, right. So cool. we, we handle all of this asynchronously from the back end. It, it goes off and gets the weather at that time. That, that's kind of fun. 
Well, then we also thought, well, we also have Watson's image recognition services, right? So what if we sent the picture, you know, after we save it into Object Store, what if we sent that over to Watson and had to come back with some tags of what was in the picture, right? So we, we put in some code to do that. So then, you know, it gets sent over there and Watson And so tags get saved, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, a mountain and a lake and you know, bike or, or whatever, right? That's so cool. And so you save that metadata in there. And now, again, uh, you know, somebody else looking at pictures can scroll through and, and see these pictures show up and you can see the weather information show up and some of the tags. And if I wanted to search for like mountain, right, I, we added support so you can search for mountain and it goes against these tags that Watson puts in there. Um, so, so that kind of stuff where you're, yeah, you're kind yeah. of doing so, stuff behind the scenes on, on the server side to kind of really build a compelling, you know, adding some of these cognitive services that, that sort of add the extra special sauce, right, to your application. Okay, I think that's great in terms of like a full circle of how this all fits together. But then how do you actually start? I mean, I, I, to be honest, I have looked at some of like the videos even the IBM cloud tools thing, it seemed really easy to get started. But for some reason, when I go to my computer and I'm like ready to try it out, I just don't know like where I'm kind of confused as to like what is the first thing that I'm supposed to use or, or, or do? Because there are so many things, right? There's like there's a sandbox, there's Couture, there's the catalog, there's um, the IBM cloud tools, there's the, you know, blue mix is like, I don't know where to start. So like <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. what, uh, like if I wanted to make something like blue picks and obviously I know how to do the Xcode part, mm -hmm. but like you kind of build that in conjunction, right? Because like when the user, let's say they, they take a picture and now they're ready to, to like sort of save it to the database. Like, so you'd have to kind of build that in conjunction. What do I do? Like, how do I start? What's the first thing? And maybe we could just link to that if you have an example. I'm sure you do. Like, wh what is the first thing I do? Where do I go in terms of like standing up that web service? Sure. So, so the um, so first off, I, I I feel your pain, right? There, there's so many things that we all want to go learn. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, how can I kind of get up to speed, understand what I need to know here, and and be productive, right? And so we we've been trying to do that with some of the samples uh, in IBM Cloud Tools for Swift. So if you go to, you know, cloudtools.bluemix.net, uh, there's a website there where you can pull down uh, the, uh, we call it Ice-T, it's uh, IBM Cloud Tools. Um, so, so if you pull down that application and, uh, you know, it, it lets you kind of log in and, and create, uh, it has some samples to get started with. And so you'll see things like there's a to-do list sample, right? Okay. Um, and so to-do list happens to talk to a database under the covers, but again, it has a mobile application. It has a server-side application uh, to, to let people get up and running uh, pretty quickly. Okay. Uh, and even if you, you know, at, the, at that point when you pull this application down, you can either run it locally and you can also, uh, uh, if you deploy it into the cloud, you're actually in, you know, just a couple clicks, you have a, a, a web service out running in Bluemix on your behalf, right? So you can go to the website and, and look at that as well. So okay, so, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so so we are, in, and you'll see more of these samples uh, appearing um, as well as we keep adding more samples to make it easier for people to kind of get up and get started. Okay. Uh, but but also we're, we're all ears to have feedback. So we have a public Slack channel. Oh, cool. Uh, oh, that's that, right. I'm on it. 
Yeah. So, so, so that's where we're always, you know, the whole team is, is pretty much on that as well. And so we're always listening for feedback and some of the feedback we actually got from the community is like uh, maybe some even easier uh, and, and more complete uh, starter samples and things like that. And so we'll, right. we'll be working on that and putting those out there as well. Well, I am at least one of your target market and all my listeners are. And so I definitely thought of this already, um, but I'm going to take another look at the sort of samples and videos and stuff that you have that show how to get started. But if, uh, if I feel like maybe we could do a video together where it's like literally let's just sit down and you show me step by step how do we get started. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not you and I, you and someone else. But I think I feel like I already saw something like that. And, I, and your talk at Dub Dub was something like that. But for some reason, um, I, I had trouble. And one of the things I had trouble with was understanding where do I go to sign up because – I feel like there's so many different things to sign up for. Do I sign up for a Bluemix account or do I sign up for in a Cloud Tools account or is it sort of the same thing? That yeah, was something I got stuck with. Yeah, that, 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 that is sort of the same thing as far as the being able to sign up. When, when you download the IBM Cloud Tools um, and you can sign up, it will uh, help you uh, send you a page to get signed up for a Bluemix account. There's a, there's a free tier, uh, you know, the free offering period as well for that. Um, but you, once you get set up, then it, uh, again, can can help you get, get up and running. Okay, so a Bluemix account is what you need. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. All right, uh, a couple of things. Um, let's see. Before, okay, I want to talk about, like, why anybody should care about any of this. Um, it, you know, a Swift developer who is who loves making, let's say, iPhone apps. In general, why should they care? about like being able to create a web service and then why should we care about being able to create a web service um, in Swift um, and, and like also when, when should we sort of start caring about this? Like what's your perspective? Um, I guess let's, let's do it from the perspective of um, as like you're a technical, technical lead, you hire people um, and you also have like a, and I'm so sorry we didn't get a chance to like learn about your, you know, where you came from. Maybe we'll have to have you on again, like in a little while, because I want to learn about your story. But there was so much to talk about with the Swift stuff. Uh, and, and But um, you have a lot of experience. So just sort of like your experience from looking, looking at where programming has gone and where it's going. Like, why should someone care about this? A Swift yeah, developer. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So the the first thing in, in most of the application I've done and, you know, pretty much every application I've done is to make it interesting, you end up having to write a bit of code typically on the back end, right? Um, you, you can get started with some of these services, but you end up wanting to put some logic on the back end. And in the past, I think there's a lot of, you know, maybe mobile developers who maybe start with iOS application, then they switch gears and stand up a, a Node.js uh, back end, for instance, right? Right. Um, and for many of us, we've been there, or, or maybe you do a Ruby on Rails backend, or who, you know PHP, whatever you end up choosing. Um, but you end up switching gears, right? You, you you sit there and go, okay, let me work on this. Let me let me switch gears. Oh, now I'm a backend guy. Let me write out some of that code, right? Different um, mindset, different language. Yeah, yeah. And and then you're also, you know, sometimes you may be saying, you know what, the heck with it. I'm gonna just put all this logic on the client side. <laughs> right. So, I mean, we've all done that as well. Right. And that's not necessarily the right thing either for, for your users. Maybe it's consuming too much bandwidth or, or CPU time or battery or whatever. Right. Um, so really, you know, we're doing all of this to make it really easy for people who are creating these incredible apps to deploy the right code to the right place. Right. And build better apps. So we know we need it at IBM. 
And you know, we're betting the rest of the community will, will find this really useful as well. And so that, that, that's really why we're doing all this. It's not just to have Swift running in our cloud, it's to support the developers, right? Trying to create these experiences. And you know, I said this before, and I know it sounds really schmaltzy, but you know, the, these mobile applications are, are literally changing the way we live and work, right? Um, it's, it's dramatically different from when I was you know, younger without these, you know, <laughs> these phones and applications to what, I, what it is now, right? And so it's just a, it's a pretty exciting time. And, you know, I think Swift is, is, is going to be an important part of it going forward. Okay, so let's say I'm a Swift developer. I'm making my cool next Instagram app or whatever. Uh, but I'm just sort of starting out and I'm just learning. And I already have so many things I need to learn. I need to learn Swift. I need to learn Xcode, UI kit, how to read Apple's documentation, MVC, delegation, all this kind of stuff. Now I need to learn another thing. Right. And so I'm getting overwhelmed. Like, when do you think is a good time for someone like that to actually set aside to, to start learning that? When do you think they should 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 learn that stuff? Sure. Yeah. So really, with all this effort we're doing, we're actually trying to get it to where you don't have to learn as much. Right? Nice. <laughs> um, so, so at least you don't have to learn Swift again. Right. Right. As, as far as another language. Um, but some of the different concepts on the server would be around, you know, uh, how you deal with persistence and scale and caching and things like that. But you end up running into that anyway. And so now if you can do all of this in Swift, it's even easier. So I think as soon as you have an application, um, you know, if, if you can have a client only application, that's great. Or if you can use some client services and, and that's enough for you, that's great too, right? But as soon as you think you need to do things like, you know, maybe connecting people on a social network, or doing background monitoring and you know alerting people asynchronously of, of some event that's interesting to them. As soon as you have to do things that is really kind of like the magic sauce, right, of your application, that's when you want to start doing coding and working and having some backend services to ba to to support your application experience. Okay, I love that answer. It's it's almost like at, it's just as needed. So if you think you need it, then start uh, going and learning it. Because what happens to me is I feel like there's all these new and exciting things and I'm like wait do I need to master this right now do I need to learn this right now <laughs> yeah. but it sounds like especially because it's still very early days like uh, it's more of just as an ad you know as needed go ahead and, and learn it well that's really just awesome. it, right either either you would have to go learn JavaScript and learn Node.js or learn Ruby on Rails and and some of the stuff that you might do do there or you can just do it in Swift right so so really the intention there is that it's you know, one less thing you have to learn to be able to make your apps, your apps great. Okay. And, uh, we're, we're definitely at the end. Last sort of big question is, um, where do you feel like we are in terms of Swift on the server? It's, I mean, of course it's still early days. It's only been open source for just a few years. Um, but do you feel like we're close to a point where it's going to be more of a, real thing. I, for instance, I mentioned um, Swift on the server and um, IBM Bluemix at work recently um, as a peer, uh, or at least to say, hey, let's not, let's not just like, uh, let's at least take a look at it um, when we're also possibly looking at um, AWS, Google Cloud Platform, Azure. You know, I mentioned it. I said, hey, why not? Because that way I don't have to learn another language. And it was more like, oh, but it's still early days, right? And maybe that's true. So, but when it, when are we going to be, when do you think uh, we're going to be at more of like a real deal sort of point? Well, you know, I, I think like any, any technology, there's that uh, adoption curve, right? Where you have early adopters 
um, you have a early majority, late majority, and laggards, right, of, uh, that kind of jump onto a technology. Um, now is definitely, you know, uh, um, it's ready for that, that early part of that curve, right? Cool. Like we saw this with Node, we saw it with MongoDB, we saw it with Ruby even, you know, many, many years ago. You, you name it, right? There's always that curve of, of adoption. So the, the part that's exciting about this last, uh, you know, event is that the curve has started. Right, so it, people can definitely jump in now, start doing the development, and I think you'll just see more of more of it uh, going forward. Awesome! All right, great, great. I'm so so happy to have you on and sort of sort of yeah, just give me an overview of all that stuff because it was I'm really excited about it. You know, I'm I'm like really excited about Swift, obviously, and it was like wow, I could do Swift on the server, and I want to learn it. And then it's like whoa, there's a whole new like thing I need to learn. But it sounds like you guys are making it easy, uh, take, doing a lot of work ahead of time so we don't have to, so, which is really good. So thank you for that. Um, I usually end the, the podcast uh, with uh, one piece of advice uh, for learning Swift. Um, and I feel like we didn't spend that much time talking about uh, you know, Swift like specifically as it relates to iOS development or anything, which is great because that's, you know, that's what I wanted to create this podcast for was like, it's not just about iOS. We're, we're going to be using Swift for Mac OS, watch OS, TVOS, and now, you know, building services on Linux. People are talking about it on Android. Um, so I think you have a, an interesting perspective uh, in terms of uh, focusing, like learning Swift. So um, if you feel if you feel comfortable, would you offer us uh, and, and the listeners out there uh, a piece, you know, one piece of advice? Because the, here's the thing. And I remember feeling this way, and I kind of sometimes do feel this way. It's like I'm I'm sitting here, uh, I'm listening to you know to Garrick, and I'm listening to Patrick, and I'm so inch, I'm like so eager. I need to like learn something. I don't know what it is. I just know I need to learn something right now so I can achieve my goals. Whether it's like build an app or get a job, um, or just master this new platform, this new language. And it's like, so so what do you think uh, people should be focusing on? What's like the most important thing? Uh, for people to be focusing on if they're just trying to learn Swift and, and um, you know, build applications. Um, so it's just kind of that sort of that idea, but it kind of sums up to one piece of advice for people learning Swift. Um, I, I, I guess for me, it's, it's always been uh, following what sort of fascinates me, right? If it, if it sounds interesting to you uh, as, as a person, as a developer, it probably, it probably is, right? So go go learn that new thing, try it, and you know it's as a technologist you spend most of your career sort of demystifying things, right? What I mean by that is when you hear about it, you think, wow, okay, that that's just some huge thing that's going to take forever to learn. But if you spend a, a bit of time, just kind of breaking it down and trying it out, um, then you kind of get a better perspective. And you know, even if you don't end up uh, working in that space you come back and you have a more holistic uh, view of it, right? So if there's, a, I don't know if it's a new Swift library or Swift on the server or you name it, right? Is, is to kind of jump in and check it out and kind of bring back that perspective. Uh, that, that's one thing that I've always done in my career and it's... Uh, uh, yeah, that's you know. great. Stay, stay fascinated, stay curious. Um, definitely it's like that sort of tinkerer sort of spirit. Um, which, which, yeah, and like curiosity kind of leads, leads you down a path, um, which, you know, I like to say, like, follow your nose. It's kind of, that's good. I love that. Thank you. Okay. So before we, before we go, um, 
Where, if at all, can people uh, contact you online? It, you know, it, it sounds like you have that uh, IBM Slack team, or are you, you know, active on Twitter or GitHub or? Yeah, on on, on Twitter, it's p b o h r e r is my handle. Um, I'm certainly on public Slack, and uh, we have a, a developer site which is developer.ibm.com/swift. That sort of has a jumping-off point for a lot of things that I've been talking about here, so that may help as well. All right, awesome. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Again, sorry we didn't get to learn more about you specifically. Hopefully we can have you back on to learn more about your personal journey and your personal story. But there was just so much to talk about as it relates to server-side Swift at IBM. And yeah, so thank you for sharing that. We talked about you know the Swift sandbox. I'm definitely going to go check that out again, how you can kind of share. You can even share code live, which is really awesome. Uh, Kitura Framework, Swift Package Catalog, uh, Porting Foundation and Lib Dispatch uh, to to Linux. Um, these different uh, libraries and samples that you're you guys are creating to make it easier to interact with other services um, inside of uh, you know I guess through Kitura, like through your uh, Swift web application, like you were talking about the Facebook. Uh, uh, session type of thing. Uh, you're doing the IBM Cloud Tools for Swift and the Blue Mix runtime, and then you know, kind of Blue Mix ties it all together. Thank you for sharing all that, and uh, yeah, I look forward to talking with you again. Thank you so much for doing awesome work and making Swift the coolest language on the planet, and making it so we just you know we can do one language, not have to know all sorts of different languages. Uh, yeah, so thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, and, and thanks for running the, this podcast. This is great. And that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Swift Coders podcast. Feel free to share the show with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or recommend us on Overcast. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to say hi, contact me on Twitter. Until next time, go swiftly, my friends. Swift Coders.